There's an interesting halacha with Rosh Hashanah. The halacha is that you have a haircut on Erev Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah itself, you dress up in yontif clothing, uh, Shabbos clothing, smart clothing. Um, and there's a discussion with regard to what your mood should be. Should be somber and depressed, like a person who's been brought before a jury, or should it be upbeat? So it seems to be there's a paradox of what a person's mood should be. On the one hand, the Gemara says he should be aware of the awe, awe of the the judgment. On the other hand, it says he should be exhilarated, excited. Vigilu berada, you should rejoice in trembling. I'd like to explore that dichotomy a little bit. The idea of the world is the creation of the world at the end of Yom Kippur we say seven times Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim. Reiterating the fact that Hashem, the Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavke, Hu Elohim is the, the, the attribute of mercy, Shem Havaya, is the attribute of judgment. Hashem Hu Elohim, Hashem Hu Elohim. It's a very strange thing to say. Hashem, one would like to say that the attribute of kindness is not the attribute of strict judgment, of punishment. You'd say, Hashem Elohim. It's different. It's different, but yet on Rosh Hashanah, sorry, on Yom Kippur, we say Hashem, Hashem, that's a climax. Hashem Ha'u'ilakim. This whole process leads us to declare the Megillah Declaration. What's the Pshat? There's a basic principle that we have to hold so close to our hearts throughout this entire time, and this principle is hard to cling on to in our hearts. And that is that we go back to the beginning words of the Ramchal. Or in when the when the Ramchal begins his work, Derech Hashem, he says the only purpose that the Avishta ever had in creating the world was to give of his kindness to others, to bestow of his goodness. And the only intent that the Creator had in order to put us onto this world is in order that we should be able to derive pleasure, goodness, the ultimate of everything. If so, I don't understand. We live in a world which is riddled, literally riddled with problems. When you see that vision of, of, of the, that presentation of what the world is meant to be and you look back at, and you see the world, it seems an absolute glaring contradiction. It's Ki'ilu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ki'ilu, He's not doing what he meant to do. He meant to create a world which gave us pleasure. And the world doesn't for the most part. It's a series of hardships. Everyone in their own way experiences life and there's hardship after hardship after hardship. And there's peaks as well. I think there's not peaks and there's moments of happiness. But the place is a hard place to be. And this is actually what the Ramchal continues to say that a person was placed in the world, that there are many things which distance him from the Creator. And he's placed into what the Ramchal calls the greatest war ever. We're in a, we're in a war zone. Now, it's very important to realize that. Because if a person makes the 
error of thinking that he's here to party. So then he keeps on feeling bad because his party gets gets continually interrupted by all these obstructions. But if a person realizes that he's here to fight, he's not here to chill, he's here to fight, so then your mind frame is very different. Your mind frame, you enter into things in a different way. Now what is the fight that we wage? What is the war we wage? We wage essentially the ultimate war is the war against ourselves. The story about the Chavis of Vavis, that a man sees, he, he meets a soldier coming back from war. He says, from whence have I come? <laughs> and the soldier replies, Liberia. Liberia. From the battlefields of Liberia. Didst thou fight a war there, O soldier man? Low. Soldier replies, he fought a low war. It's a discussion <laughs> of, it could be a discussion of uh, American imperialistic techniques and the influence of foreign countries. Um, <laughs> because the soldier comes back from the war and he meets a Chosid. And the Chosid says, where have you been? He says, I've been fighting a war. He says, soldier back to the Chosid. Tell me, sir, what have you been doing? I've been fighting the ultimate war. That's the ultimate war. The ultimate war is a war against ourselves. We have to be fighting. If we're not fighting, so then there's one thing that we can be relatively sure of. We're losing. <laughs> because since the battle is, as the Mishraim says, Nim says, The Milchama takes you frontwards and backwards. And it's quite interesting because the Mishraim looks at the war both from a position of tranquility and a position of suffering. Both are tests. And he explains them with analogies of rich, of wealth and poverty. Wealth is a tremendous test. In other words, wealth is a generic description of when a person, things are going well. Things are going well, so it's a huge test. In a way, it's much harder than poverty. Because when things are going well, so when things are going well, the Creator steps out the picture. You don't need Him. He doesn't need to be there. You can do it by yourself. So your potential connection to the Creator is severed. A person's healthy, a person has what he needs, a person's set up for life. That could be the worst thing. In fact, there are some that say there's actually a story that's told by a, a, a person. Told by who? Husband and wife. Um, they have an older child, he's 17, and they get divorced. Tragic divorce. The mother disappears off the scene and the son is left with his father. They're very close. And the father, he's lonely and he meets a woman. And if it wouldn't be Judaism, we'd say they'd fall in love. <laughs> Judaism we know. You know, fall in love. <laughs> Spend decades working on getting love. Anyway, and they fall in love. They're not in Judaism. So they fall in love and they decide to get married. The woman says, I'm willing to get married with one stipulation. The man says, tell me and I will hear. They spoke in archaic English. <laughs> and the woman says, we've got to get that brat out of the picture. So um, the man says, that's no way to speak about my son. She says, you heard what I said. And he loves this woman because they had fallen in love. So he says, well, what do you want me to do? He says, she says, I don't care. I just don't want to ever see him around us. 
So the father makes a very brutal decision and he calls his son over and he says, Son, I want to give you a present. Takes from his hands, from his pocket, a key. He says, This is a key to a condo in Miami Beach. He says, This is a key. Gives him lots of keys. This is the key to the car that's parked in the parking lot. This is a credit card. It's got a $10,000 monthly limit, $20,000, whatever. Set the price according to the inflation rate. <laughs> son says, Dad, this is amazing. He says, but there's one condition, my son. You are never, ever allowed to contact me, ever. How good does the son feel at that point in time? It's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to him. What do you mean? He's got a condo in Miami Beach. Miami Beach, the perpetual place of summer. Or the place of the perpetual summer. He's got a car which, which, which gives him a thousand revs, not to hundred, in 0.2 seconds. <laughs> it's amazing. If you don't it stop it, it if, you, if you don't stop it, then it takes off. <laughs> He's got everything, but he has nothing. Because what the most thing, the thing that's the most valuable to him is relationship with his father. So there's a test in having a lot. The test is you become dislocated from your connection to your father. On the other hand, there's a test of having poverty, meaning just like there's a test of having everything, there's a test of having nothing. Over there, the test is different. Over there, the test is a person can be prone to theft because he doesn't have. He can can loosen his morals. He's desperate person can be prone to anger at the Creator for what He's done to him. A person can be prone to the suffering making him into, into a wet rag of an individual. So that's also a test. And the test it always fluctuates between the two. So even within the state of poverty, there'll be times things are going better, and then the test will be the opposite. And even in wealth, so sometimes you lack something. So that's our life. Our life is this flux between the war ahead and the war behind. The war with, with having and the war with not having. And we fight in this war and we engage in this war and we try to vanquish the enemy. And the success, it's a letter that a student wrote to Rav Hutna. He said to him, Rebbe, he said, I was so excited when I entered into this man. I had such hopes for what was going to happen to me. And unfortunately, it started off, and there was an immediately. I started. I, I couldn't concentrate, and I fell out of learning. And and then I managed to get back into things. But then something else happened. I mean, I managed. And I look back at my mind, and it was just a series of, of, of failures. And Rafutna writes back to him. It's a pity that I don't have the letter on me to read it. And it's fa it's beautiful the way he writes back to you. He writes back and he says, your letter itself, openly contradicts the statement that it begins with. Because he says, the nature of winning the war is fighting the battle. The nature of winning the war is fighting the battle. You don't win the war when you win the war. You win the war when you fight. Winning the war is fighting the battle. The goal is not to win. The goal is to be engaged in a constant struggle. The goal is the process of whittling away at myself as I chip away at the different components of my being because this thing confronts me and when suffering confronts me what it does is it puts my brutal self directly in front of my eyes and I can't escape I see myself and I go oh my gosh and I want to run a mile 
and I can't and I have to confront it and boom that's called suffering and when a person embraces it that's how you move forward you come to Yom Adin so Yom Adin is Yom Adin says you have to give an accounting for what your life is meaning you have to face and confront your what you've done wrong now Rosh Hashanah is that but then Rosh Hashanah is an amazing thing that's, that's the Amos Adin that's the, the, the awe but then there's the Simcha what's the Simcha and this is such a crucial thing Hashem Hu Alekim that underneath all this harshness and behind all the strictness there's only one pure undiluted intention that the Creator has for us and that is please 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 pass the test the only reason I'm giving the test is because I want you to be connected the only reason I'm giving it is because I want you to refine yourself the only reason I'm making it hard is so that it can be easy Hashem Elohim that which appears to be hard there's a whole peric in the Tanya that Yisurim come from a world which is suffering which is much higher than the world of open kindness it's a much deeper place it's a kindness which is hidden it's a much deeper form of kindness than the actual kindness which is felt and experienced by us so connecting to, to Rosh Hashanah is connecting to a world which is simultaneously confronts our responsibility to grow and to confront the frailties of ourselves and to attempt to overcome them do we have to overcome them? we have to try to overcome them do we have to overcome them? we have to try to overcome them the marshal that the Manchester Rosh Hashiva would say was, you have a person and uh, of course, uh, should he be a king? He should definitely be a king, no? If we're talking about Mashalim, we should definitely... There are many people in, this, in the Shira that haven't even heard of the castle. The castle Gabriel, you look astonished. You've never... You never no. Mike, you don't know about the castle? This is amazing. No. There's a whole, this whole generation. Jeremy, do you know about the castle? It's amazing. You don't? You don't. What castle? You tell me and I'll tell you if you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me in a walk through a forest. Come with me. Come with me. Right now? Right now. Okay. Come with me on a walk through a forest. And as we walk between the trees which are gently shifting in the autumn breeze, we come to an opening at the end of the forest and we look and there's a hillock. This is part of the shear too. And on top of the hillock, top of the hillock, this is called Yusurim Shu'ava. And on top of the hillock, oh that mighty, mighty, little smallish hillock, there was a castle, 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 castle. A castle made, 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 made. From, if I'm not mistaken, as I look with from this vantage, it's shimmering in the shimmering in the even evening light, and the the colours of the the red sun are reflected on the exquisite Italian marble from which it is fashioned. And in the middle of the king, there's a throne. In the middle of the castle, there's a king that sits upon a throne, and there are two people in front of the king, and he sends them on a mission. He says, "Oh dear servants, I want you to go." to the land across the seas and bring me back the emerald egg. The servants look up at the king and they say, Your Majesty, which land? And where do we find this egg? The king says, That's all you know. Go do it. The two servants leave the castle. 
they're getting to the forest and just as they enter the forest there's a small clearing and the first servant sits down puts his back against the tree and he sighs deeply his friend says to him what are you going to do? he says what do you mean what am I going to do? there's nothing I can do I have no idea where to go and I have no idea where to find this egg-shaped emerald and he sits there and he gently rolls a cherry tobacco cigarette lights it up and smokes his friend says I'm not quite sure where I'm headed but I'm going to try and he starts to go towards the, it's over the seas so he goes to the harbour he boards a ship and he crosses the seas and wherever he goes around he asks people have you seen have you heard is there a legend in regard to an emerald egg and he does this for years and years and years and his friend sits by that same tree and he graduates from cherry tobacco otherwise we'd have to move away from it but Lamaisa, he's still by that tree. Ten years later, the tree the tree, <laughs> the tree's still there, but the king recalls his servants, sends out a message for them to return, sends out his um, messengers, they find, they scour the land, they find this guy sitting underneath the tree, they said, you can get so far, he said, I know, long beard. <laughs> Both servants return to the king, and the one that was scouring the countryside over the seas for the Emerald never ever found it. He never found it. He never found the egg. And the other one obviously didn't find it. So the king looks at them and he says to the servant that sat beneath the tree, he said, there was never an emerald egg. All I wanted to do was to expose you to the challenge of experiencing the diversities of life while pursuing a goal. And you, my friend, have failed. And he turned to his other servant and he said, For you there is this reward. And he places in his hand a gigantic emerald egg. And that's, that's life. That's life. Can you see that again? Where, where did the book go? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Come with me on a journey. No, no, no. <laughs> Through the forest through the forest and on the hillock ahead you see a castle shimmering in it. The, the, the point is, the point is, it's, it's, it's an elaboration of a, a marshal. The point is, you don't have to get there. The, 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 this is an elaboration of the Manservice of Marshal which was taken in 26 and it was two people are told to go to the top of a ladder to fetch something. The one looks at the, the, the runs in the ladder and says, I'll never get to the top, so he stays at the bottom. Another one starts to climb. Will he get there? It doesn't matter, but he's climbing the ladder. He's climbing the ladder. We have to be climbing the ladder. Do we have to get there? We have to be climbing the ladder. Now, what happens is as follows. A transformation occurs when a person lives life this way. The minute a person becomes process orientated, not goal orientated, what happens is oriented. Okay. What happens is, um, sorry, forgot. What happens is the process itself starts to become deeply satisfying. If I am goal orientated, oriented, 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 if I'm goal oriented, so then the, the process is an act of frustration because I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there. If I'm process oriented, so then the... Uh, the it's not a real word. Oriented? Yeah, orientated. Would you like to get an Oxford English Dictionary and see if you could try and depend? In fact, here we have a walking Oxford English Dictionary. No, not Jeremy, his cell phone. Um, 
It's not a real word. I mean, the chutzpah, the chutzpah. <laughs> we'll learn a lesson from your comment shortly. <laughs> to understand that when you acknowledge that it's about the process, you start to get geschmack from the process. Every time you send a rung, you go, you know what? I'm a rung higher. I'm a rung higher. That's geschmack. And you look down and you start to say, we don't look up and say, but, 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 but. You say, look where I am. That's geschmack. This is what Rabbi Nachman hammers home as a yesoid for um, Yom Hadin and for life. There's something called a Nekudah Tova. If we look at ourselves and we build a bad rap for ourselves in terms of who we are, we will drive ourselves into the ground. A sense of ability is based on what's called, in Hebrew, Tchushat Haistaglut. It means that you have to build up a sense of capacity. I can accomplish. How do you build it up? Previously, back in the day, people thought you could do it through encouragement alone. Keep on going, you're a great guy. That doesn't work. Encouragement doesn't work. What does work is you show the person in his own life the achievements he's had and made. Those are called, and they could be, they just could be a dot, and the kuda toiva, a small dot. But you go and you find, and you, until you find that dot, then you take that dot out and you shine it. Until it starts to look like a glistening green emerald. And then you start to take this dot, and then there's another dot just not so far away. And there's another dot just not so far away. And then you start to put all of these little dots together until they become a radi- Just interrupt you briefly, the word orientate is... It's loading. It's loading. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what happens is you start, to, you, st- you, start to, you start to develop this sense of... I can't do it because you, you notice that and you can look at it in any aspect of your life. You can look at it in any relationship you've had. You can look at it in your twill. You say, I never ever daven with Kavona. When I'm standing in front of the Rebbeinah Olam, all I think about is lunch. All I think about is why are these words are so hard. All I think about is why is it so boring. All I think about is what am I doing here. All I think about is no one didn't come here yesterday if it's Mario and you're part of a certain program. It depends. Just put me out there. So... <laughs> So, I didn't say anything. I was just saying random examples not taken from real life. Um, <laughs> what happens? So you have to find the Nakuda Tova. Where's the Nakuda So you say like this. You know what? Three weeks ago, there was a Shemun Esrei. Well, it wasn't for the whole Shemun Esrei. But in the Bruch of Rafa'enu, because I have got a sick second cousin, I felt deeply moved. And I felt at that point in time that there was a connection between me and Hashem. That's called Nekuda Tova. So what you have to do is you have to do something which is called polishing it. Polishing means you have to take that and you have to put it on a pedestal and cherish it. And then when you've got that, you try to find another point. And you say, do you know what? The truth is, I was benching the other day and just before I benched, I actually thought about the food that I've been given and I felt deeply, deeply appreciative of the fact that the Creator had given me that ability. And then I take those two points and I put them together, they become bigger. And then I said, you know, the other day I was saying Pukhachi Rim, and I just closed my eyes and I opened them and then I saw, and the fact that I could see, the truth is, you know, if I take off my glasses, I can't see, but the mice, I can see I'm not blind. I'm not blind. And that for me was a chizik. And then a few, a few days later, what happened was, and I've got now no new Nukulatobis, and what happens is these Nukulatobis build an energy. They build an energy, they build an energy, they build an energy, and that energy gives the person a drive to send the next rung of the ladder. And then send the next rung of the ladder. And when you have that, then you start to develop this deep faith inside of yourself. And when you have this faith inside of yourself, you know that the word orientate does exist. Go on, Jeremy.
verdict is still out. What if a country is still out? There is no word. He claims that there's no such word. If you orientate. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to point out the Orient. lesson we learned Orient. from his claim. John, I'm to clarify what John LaCarre said. If you should sit in your position and think of yourself in a perfect light, or you should actually orient yourself in a perfect light. No, so he, no, he, he, he agrees that there's the word orient. He just he argues on the orient. Orientate. Orientate. For example, orientate. you know, for example, an if American. You find it, it has the exact same definition. In other words, for, for Americans, they argue that they, they can't. No, we're just talking about tenses. Orient. In other words, orientation. You don't know orientation. I know orientation. One second. That's orientation. Take orientation. Asian, take out the shin and just say, if orientation means to, it means to. I'll give you an example. Education means you. <laughs> Let's educate. There you go. Educate. In other words, education. You educate the person. That's how you make the yeah, verb. You yeah, take you the action, You don't add an extra A T E D on it. You add an E D on it. Guys, I got it. You take the eight part and you add an E D. Orientation. Orientated. Oriented. To adjust with relation to or bring into relation to surrounding circumstances, facts. Oriented, not orientated. Have we got orientated over there? No, no. Or no, we're not. Or orientated. No. Just go yes. orientated. Orientate to face or turn to the east. Well, because the orient is the east, right? Orientated. Orientated. Orient. Go for it. Go for it. Ross, Ross. Orientate. Yeah, but there's no D. Orientate. Orientate. To orient. I, I typed in D. That's so essentially, what you did is you just added extra letters to the end of it, and it's the exact same thing. Orientated. Yeah, to orient. That's <laughs> classic American definition. <laughs> 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 well, hey, what does orientate mean? It means to Orient. Oh, right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, back to, wait, back to wait, topic. What does this have so, to do? What does this do? Yeah, the problem with that is we yeah, have become like disorientated. Let's just, just orientate ourselves again. <laughs> and, and don't worry. Wait, so what we have to orientate ourselves and think. This is, this is, a, this is an overwhelmingly... Um, critical vote for Rosh Hashanah because what could happen in the midst of Rosh Hashanah you can start to lose faith in yourself and your faith in the Creator that's the joy the joy is you know that you can do it mm. you know that you can do it so even with Amos Adin that you see your you see your the, 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 this is the paradox you see your lackings and that's the fear and you see the potential and that's the joy those are the two things that juxtapose on Rosh Hashanah. So what happens if last Rosh Hashanah you davened and you, you're coming up to this Rosh Hashanah and you're thinking, I'm pretty sure I'm worse off as a yid now than I was then. So that means you haven't, you haven't taken your Nikudah's Torahs and done something good with them. What you've probably done is the opposite. You've taken the bad things and you've joined all the bad things together until you build a gloomy picture of yourself and then you trap yourself in that gloomy picture. Switch it around. Switch it around. You, you, first of all, who says that you know better off last year than you were this year? Your whole life changed. I'm saying you. One's whole life changed over the course of the year. There are many different stimuli that you confront that you need to respond to. And I don't know how you could measure going up or going down. I'm not sure how you could do that. Maybe Hashem could. <laughs> I don't know if I could. So therefore, you can't say that. And if, so since you don't know, why take the gloomy version, which will cripple you, take the version which shows, in other words like this, we believe 100% that a person is good. Because every morning, even though you do the various yesterday, you start the morning and you say, the kind of the soul you gave me is pure. What do you mean? It's not pure. I defiled it yesterday. Oh no, you can't touch it. It is pure. It is pure. 
So what does that mean? That means that it's got to have expression somewhere along the line. You just have to locate them and combine. What are you doing? What are you actually Orient doing? Orient and orientate are both accepted definitions. Orientate is more common orientate. in the United Kingdom. Orient is more common in the United States. So writers, and writers, in both countries, writers in both countries sometimes bemoan the usage of the alternative word. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Okay. So, 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 so now that we've resolved that long-standing machlokes, they mean the exact same thing, just adding extra letters onto it, or subtracting the letters. Yes, Mikey. Question. Question. When you know you, I think you're you're you know you're presenting a very clear point. Just the the part that it's like a flashing red light to me is when we do say. Hashem, you are you are the king. You are the king of true ju- judgment. And when your 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 mind does deviate from prayers, and you know you do do these things, the fact is that it's a scary thing that we're going to be very scary judged. hundred percent. So we, the the thing is to when that 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 moment does come, we we should push that out of our minds. No, absolutely, absolutely not. You should embrace it because when when you feel the fear. So then that builds the motive to change. But the problem is what happens as follows. If the, if the chain reaction goes like this, I'm going to be judged, I'm petrified, I see the nucleus tovus, there's hope. Then your, your equilibrium is maintained. If you feel the fear and then you think, and I have nothing to offer, I'm going to be absolutely destroyed, then you'll collapse. And instead of you embracing the judgment, you'll start to deny it. Because we're human, so we'll, we'll, we'll backfire, we'll rebel. We won't be able to take it in, so we'll push it off. Do you understand? If a person thinks about judgment and he doesn't have the moon in himself, that he can overcome it, and he doesn't have the moon in Hashem, Hashem's out there to help you. He's out there to help you. The only reason he ever does anything else is because he's a good coach. A good coach doesn't say, Listen, buddy, don't, don't train today. You've had a hard, you had a hard day training yesterday. Why are you training today? He said, You want to make the Olympics? You've got to train every day. I know you're feeling and I know you're aching and I know you're sore. It's God, come on, one more time, one more time. You have to, in your mind's eye, hear the encouraging voice of Hashem. That He gives you the hard time and He says, Come on, you can do it, you can do it, I'm waiting for you. And He's sitting there on the sidelines cheering you on. And those are the Nakudas Tovers. That's the Imun in the Rebun Shalom. You have to, in Imun that Hashem, the Sefer Yikorim says the most phenomenal vote. He says that the level of connection that a person, the level of Ashkocha that a person sees in his life, is dependent on his his connection to Hashem to the degree that if a person honestly believes honestly believes that Hashem if a person again so let's maybe take this one step further let's think about who of us can really stand before the Creator and say that we are chaf mi pesha we are guiltless every single person if I calculate the various I've done today today would amount to hundreds. <laughs> just in, just in the, in the Musashe we could clock <laughs> up a few. <laughs> so, so what I do? So, so, so what I do? So, I'm, but I'm trying to change. I know, Leib, I know you. Don't, I know you don't believe it. I know you don't believe it. I'm trying to change. Hopefully, hopefully, slowly, slowly. That's what Musashe is for. You think it's for you? It's for me. I'm hoping that one day I'm going to become a little bit better, and I'm in the process. I've got better. Right? You've seen an improvement, haven't you? See, you've seen an improvement. Eh? At the beginning of the year, I was more of a Scots. 
I'm making slowly them. So, so we can't really stand up to judgment. If we think, what do we deserve? Our pe- you know, do I deserve? I deserve? I don't deserve anything. But it's him. So why do I get it? One reason. Hashem is about chesed. He tries to give me as much as he can. He only does, he only holds back from me the part which will make me grow. The famous Moshe of the Baal Shem Tov, you've all heard it, is the father te- teaching his child to walk. The child's just taking his first teetering steps and the father holds his hand and the child starts to walk one step after the next and as the child is about to start walking the father lets go and he walks away from the child and the child says, desperately starts to walk towards his father not understanding why he's walked back and as the child gets closer so the father walks further and further back and the child starts to because the child wants to reach the father and the father wants to teach the child to walk so Akash Baruch will hold us up with a crutch until he sees we can stand on our own two feet and then start to away, take away scaffolding after scaffolding after scaffolding until you can see that we can stand on our own two feet. That's the ultimate. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, he had all the scaffolding removed. Now Akash Baruch Hu said, there's no more chesed for you, everything is a strictly apidin. And he was, he ate from his own labor. For we, we've given chesed, chesed, chesed. Akash Baruch Hu bolts us up, scaffold every part of our being to a tiny amount. And then sometimes it takes away a little bit of scaffolding so we can build a little bit more strength. And then a little bit more scaffolding and a little bit more strength. And a little bit more scaffolding and a little bit more strength. And so hopefully one day we can stand on our own two feet. So when we ask the Rebbein Sha'olam, we say, Rebbein Sha'olam, help us. We're saying, give us the capacity, the time, and have the patience so that we can stand independently. And we trust you. We know that everything that we have is only because you have given it from Ki'ilu, Kivyachal, the goodness of your heart. That's, our that's, the, that's, the, that's the most fundamental principle in Jewish knowledge is Kodesh who created us for our own good. For our own good. There is nothing, nothing, nothing in the ultimate sense of the world that is bad. There is nothing. There is no bad. There is no evil. Ein oid mil vado Everything is purely to bring about the good. Everything. Hashem, who I look in. Hashem, who I look in. And the more you inculcate that idea in yourself, and the more you in the Ava Hashem, and the Ava, and you realize that Rebbein Shalom wants only, 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 only the best for you. And you can find the Nukutus Tovahs, and you can find the Chesed in your life, and the more you live in that world, and there's a scariness of Din, but you're standing and ha- holding hands with your Father who's going to help you through it. And that's why you, when you see the Rosh Hashanah prayers, that's what happens. We say, Akash Bochu, that all these people who are giving us all these accusations, clutch onto us. Hold out your hand and we're going to grab onto it. And that's the liturgy. The liturgy is, we know we're in trouble, but we've got you. We know they're going to say, but we've got you. We know where we are, but we've got you. That's what you have to encourage. In Rosh Hashanah, you have to say, Tati, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You've got to protect me from everything. And you say, I'm with you or you with me? I'm with you. Anila doidi for doidili. Anila doidi for doidili. Okay, Tzadikim. Ksiva Chasim Atoiva. I realize, I realize in the course of the year, and I really mean this seriously, in the course of the year, as it is, sometimes productively and sometimes destructively, I say things which are hurtful and perhaps embarrassing to people. Perhaps, and, I, and, and I mean it sincerely, and, it's, it's not a, and that's why I'm asking publicly for forgiveness, that uh, if I have offended anyone personally, 
So I ask them to forgive me, and if they still feel that they that that they need to speak to me, I'm like, please rather confront me than harbour it against me. Um, and sometimes people in the shir offend me as well. <laughs> Let's face it. And I'm Michaelim, Belayv Shalom. And you should all have a good kibbutz and we should merit to grow further, ever closer to the Creator with Simcha, Gila, and Chedva. Amen. Amen. What's Gila and Chedva? <laughs>